powered by the number one REMAX real estate company in the world, Gold Nation. The Juggernaut Podcast is dedicated to helping real estate professionals and beyond become an unstoppable force, a juggernaut. We believe when the real estate professional thrives, everybody wins. Release the third Wednesday of every month. Each episode will leave you inspired, energized, and ready to be unstoppable. Want to learn more about the Juggernaut Podcast? Go to www.juggernautpodcast.com. Here's your hosts, Stephanie Flood and Anthony James. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Juggernaut Podcast. My name is Stephanie Flood. I'm your Vice President of Operations, and we have a very special episode for you today, coming to you at this special time of year where we look to give back and support our communities more than ever. So I want to introduce our special guest today. So we have Julie Hirota here from St. John's Program for Real Change. Julie, do you want to say hello to Gold Nation? Of course. Thank you, Stephanie. And and hello to Gold Nation. I am so honored and thankful to be on the program today. We are thrilled that you have joined us. So I want to tell all of you listeners about Julie, and then we're going to start talking about St. John's Program for Real Change and what that is and how that's impacting our community. So Julie is an accomplished business executive, and she is the CEO for St. John's Program for Real Change. She has more than 25 years of extensive leadership and operational experience in private, public, and non-sectors driving meaningful outcomes. Her extensive background includes advocacy, fundraising, finance, community relations, and managing multi-million dollar operations. So Julie, we're honored to be talking to you today and sharing the powerful impact that St. John's Program for Real Change has made on the greater Sacramento community. Can you just share the background on St. John's? I'm sure not all of our listeners are familiar with the program, but what is St. John's and, and how did it start? That is a great question. And, you know, St. John's has been in this community since 1985. And we began as an overnight emergency shelter operating out of St. John's Lutheran Church in downtown Sacramento. And uh, there was a need there. Um, the, the church saw that there were women and children sleeping on the steps of St. John's Lutheran Church, and they offered them a night stay in the church and I meals. And so over the course of the years, um, the program continued to build upon that and uh, transitioning then into an emergency shelter. And uh, we expanded to um, serve about 40 homeless women and children in in the 30-day emergency shelter, separate from the church location. Um, And then we learned over time that we can do more and, and the women and children were seeking more. And so you know, realizing that the 30 day, 30 days is not enough time to improve the life of these women and children. Uh, St. John's restructured into um, more of a 90 day comprehensive program. And that program was designed to provide clients with education and tools and uh, many different opportunities to realize both internal change and then have external benefits like job placement and, um, and housing. And then from 2007, um, the organization continued to build capacity upon itself, uh, created its um, a social enterprise called Plates Cafe and Catering, where it's an employment training program that was on site and uh, actually was in a business park. 
and started uh, beginning training women on site to learn basic skills, basic job skills, and then eventually leading into uh, training to join the work the workforce. And so this continues to evolve to today, where we have uh, St. John's Program for Real Change, and we are located in Sacramento. We have about we have two hundred and seventy beds in our program, our trans, um, our St. John's program for real change. And we've recently built um, 11 modular homes called St. John's Square that is on our property. That is for the, the, the phase beyond St. John's once women go through our program. And, uh, and there are multiple steps in that program that we can talk about. Um, but once they graduate that program, they have an opportunity then to go live on their own. And one of the options is St. John's Square, which we just completed this year. Wow, I, di- I didn't know about the last part. That's that's new and very exciting. So, Oh, it sure is, and we had to do it very quickly. It was a partnership from the city of Sacramento, Homemade of Sacramento, as well as um, Project Home Key through the state of California. So we're really, really fortunate to have built the project and, uh, and get, get it up and running to place women in housing as quickly as possible. I personally was really drawn to your organization because of your focus on women and children and their relationship in being homeless and what that does to a a single parent in, in a woman and living on the streets and trying to provide for her family. Can you speak to of course, the very extensive program that you offer to women, uh, how do they apply to be in the program, and what happens when they are not on the wait list and they're accepted in the program? What are those uh, very detailed stages that, that they go through of things that they learn and the steps that they take to get to that graduation? Sure, sure. So women can enter the program. There's a variety of ways. Um, some is through some of the homeless um entry point through the city of Sacramento. There's a referral program. We have many, many partners in the community that will refer women directly to here, as well as our law enforcement partners will refer women, um, women and women and children here as well. And, you know, once they come through the red doors, I often compare it to starting a marathon. I'm, I'm a marathon runner, so I use a lot of analogy and it's like they come through the red doors and it's very exciting and there's a lot of support for them. And, you know, we, we surround them with support and opportunity and we work with each woman or woman and her child to um, really curate a detailed plan for them. And that plan can vary from woman to woman. Um, Some of it includes in, uh, many women will come and no longer have custody with their children and they'll be working with CPS. So we'll, we'll put in a plan in place to gain custody of the children back. Um, many women um, are coming in and they have um, experienced addiction and some of the addiction has really um, changed their lives in a way where that has prevented them to have stable housing. And then, of course, there are women who are coming in for financial, lack of financial um financial resources or even domestic violence. And so we address all of that and, um, and put a plan together where we have, uh, as I said, tailored case management for each one, as well as therapy and support mechanisms. So a woman in the program goes through many stages over the course of approximately, you know, 12 to 18 months. And, um, and, 
starts building internal skills and external skills. And those internal skills come through the coursework and workshops that we provide. And um, that can include anything from parenting classes, uh, money management and how to budget, to um, personal development, anger management, um, you know, how to, um, how to reflect on themselves. And so through the coursework, as well as the one-on-one therapy and case management that we provide, women start building those internal tools that may have been broken down over the course of time. Of course, along the trajectory of this is um, employment training. And uh, we have, as I mentioned earlier, we have two opportunities now that we offer for employment training. And they, they go through somewhat of an internship, I'll call it. One is through Plates Cafe and Catering, which is our catering business that we have. And the other is through our new business model that just started um, just started last year called Red Door Desserts. It is a uh, gourmet cookie subscription. And, and they learn skills through this. Um, some skills as um, fundamental as um, being to work on time and calling in sick and knowing, you know, the best way to do that, but also some more complex skills, and that is arranging for childcare and making sure that they can address their children's needs while they're, you know, while they're going to work all day. So once they go through the program, they spend um, about four months or so in that program, learning skills, learning how to be on a team, work with others, work with a manager, and then building, you know, very, um, um, very good, both kitchen skills, baking skills, order management skills, uh, supply chain skills. Then we support them in uh, finding external job placement. And so we have a, uh, a coursework on job training as well, building a resume, interviewing practices, and we do mock interviews with them so that they're prepared and supported to get what may be for some women their first ever job. Um, some women that come in the program have held jobs before, so they're more familiar. Um, but we take everybody through the same process just as uh, an extra layer of confidence and support. And, um, and, you know, job placement changes all the time. Once they have their job, um, we help them, alongside them, I should say, set up a budget and a plan for sustainability outside of St. John's. So, how much money are you going to need for rent? How are you going to have a first and last month rent? Put down a deposit. Pay for all of the things you need to start up into uh, into your new living environment, such as you know bed sheets and and uh, pots and pans and things that you will need outside of St. John's. So we work with them on a very um, detailed um, budgeting plan and how to support themselves. What St. John's does to support that is once they once we do help them find housing, whether it's in our St. John's Square or externally, maybe in some apartments or um, in some um, in housing outside, is that uh, we support them with um, with their rent, but we do it in a way where their first month uh, living on their own will support them with maybe seventy percent of their rate uh, their rent payment. And then we continue to decrease our financial support to the point where they're, they're supporting themselves on their own because we want to make sure they get a real secure start and have um, enough money and learn the budgeting process and learn the spending process while we can still have those supports for them. And of course, they go through a graduation and many of the women who go through graduation also receive their diploma while they're here through our partnership with Highland. 
charter school. And, uh, and so we celebrate their, not only their graduation, um, if they have not already done that, but also their graduation and success from St. John's through our own um, graduation. And, uh, and then enter into our alumni support program. And that is all externally hosted by our, our really, really um, committed women who've been through the program who really want to support women who come through the program and land um, on their feet once they leave St. John's. That is so powerful, just hearing that whole story of the steps and some really basic life skills that, that aren't really taught to people that you don't know if someone knows how to budget or how to plan for childcare, how to call in sick. If you've never done those things and no one's ever taught you, those are incredibly valuable skills that are, are needed to be able to move forward and take that next step. And the, the alumni program sounds fantastic that you can have people that have been through the program be able to still be involved and, and give back. I'm sure that really makes an impact on both the, the participant who, who has graduated and the women who are in the program. Yeah, absolutely, because they can reflect on the actual experience. And, you know, many of the women who are in our program um, have generational poverty independence in their lives. So, you know, as you mentioned, the first time getting a job is quite likely that they might be the first person in many generations to have a job that they go to every single day. And so there's a lot of firsts that happen in our program. And, um, you know, the staff, for the staff as well, myself as well, we have many firsts in going through uh, the program with them. I could imagine that that would have quite an effect on, on you as well, being involved with the program and watching all of those graduates and the change, of course, that that takes place within the program. I'm really curious how being a part of the organization, how that has affected you personally and, and created this connection and bond between you and St. John's. Sure. So, you know, the women who go through St. John's, I have a lot in common with them. We're all, you know, we're all women. We all have needs, we all have insecurities, we all have our own challenges, right? And so um, so what I see and what I've experienced in the program is that, um, you know, they, they have a lot of the same needs that I have, and, and on top of that, they need additional support for the trauma that they've been through. Um, and and trauma is a very emotional piece of all of this, and personally hearing the stories and being part of the lives of the women is very, it's a, it's a huge honor for me to be a part of that. And, um, you know, knowing that I always say to people, you never, you, you know, you never know who you inspire. Right. And, and so I look to these women as inspiration for myself because I learned something that they can overcome or some things that they have done. And it's very inspiring and will change me in ways that I could have never imagined just as I hope they are having that same experience through me or any one of the team members at St. John's, but, but it does, um, it does affect us, right? We, we were, we're responsible for the lives of the women and children that are here. And that is a huge responsibility and we all take it very, very seriously. That, that is a very heavy responsibility. It, it sounds like it has, it has worked out very, very well. How many women and children have been through the program? How many people have been served since 
the humble beginnings back on the steps of St. John's in 1985. So what our data suggests or shows is that more than 30,000 women and children have been supported in the program um, since its inception. And today, as I mentioned, we have you know 270 beds in our program and, and then the additional housing um, in our St. John's Square. And what I forgot to mention is our community uh, custody community transitional reentry program, which is um, in partnership with California CDCR. Uh, and that is program for inmates who are on their last years of incarceration. So we have a mirror program. Um, with uh, with the justice system nearing this at St. John's. So, um, you know, we continue to see women more and more every day. Um, the demand for housing and shelter um, is greater than what any any one community can provide. Um, so we, we do see a lot of women. We do see a lot of women come through. I didn't realize you had the program with the, with law enforcement. That's really impactful too to be able to think those steps ahead and, and be able to provide services for women re-entering the community. How how has that been working? You know, it's been really interesting this last year. Um, COVID has changed so many things and um, and what we have seen in, in California is that um, there's been some early, re- there's been early release and there's been um, women who are, are moving through their uh, through their sentences at a different pace. And so what we've realized is that um, not just in our program at St. John's Program for Real Change, but also in our programs through the community, uh, Custody Community Transitional Reentry Program, is that we have to be very, very impactful from day one because we don't know how long women will be with us, whether they will complete their sentence early and be released early, or in our own program, if women decide, you know what, I'm not ready for this, or I, I, I really want to be back to my, um, you know, to, to the way I was living before because it's a huge transition, right? So what we've learned is be impactful from day one, make relationships very, try to make relationships very quickly and start being that inspiration and making change. I love that. So Julie, you mentioned COVID, of course, and, and 2020 and the year that was, and the pandemic that continues, of course, with, with no end date on that. I'm really interested to hear how COVID affected your ability to be able to serve people. How did that change what you're doing there? Yeah, it's um, so I started April 27th, I think, of 2020. So right at the early stages of the pandemic. And so what I know of St. John's is COVID St. John's. So here's what I've um here's what I'm told and here's what I've experienced is immediately we lost the ability to have volunteers on site, right? Because, um, because we all had to, you know, be very um, cautious of where we're going and who we were exposed to. St. John's um, told all of our volunteers, you know, we're not sure when we'll bring you back on site. And that's a capacity of about 400 additional bodies that can help us with our programming. And we have become dependent on them in ways of serving our women, um, uh, doing lunches and breakfast, lunch, and dinner, as well as uh, supporting them in, in classes such as yoga and art and any, any number of our classes, and also supporting our child care center. So, 
So we immediately lost what felt like staffing, right? Um, really dedicated volunteers have been a part of the St. John's family for a long time. In addition to that, we've seen um, a decrease in our staffing. And, um, and that's been very, very difficult because it does require a certain amount of people to run a 24-hour, seven days a week, 365 days a year program. And so we've had to learn how to be creative with the program and, again, be very impactful from moment one and become more, much more efficient and also um, be mindful of the wellness of our employees, right? And um, they're, they're the troopers in all of this, and, and they are number one because uh, they've had to do more work with less people with um, still the demand needed to house women and children. The other um, change that came in, as I referred to earlier, was that we had to close the doors of two restaurants. We had our Plates restaurant at Depot Park, and we had a Plates uh, restaurant in Midtown, Sacramento. So when I arrived, those had already been shut down, and it became a choice of do we open them back up. And that was a very difficult decision. These have been very uh, important um, assets to our community and used quite often in the community. And um, and so after probably six months of being here, I made the decision to permanent, permanently close both restaurants. And, um, you know, as we've seen, the restaurant industry um, been impacted considerably. Um, I think it was the right decision. I think it was hard for our community and it was sad, right? So we had to, we had to grieve some of that as well. Um, fortunately, we built in the Red Door Desserts program right behind it or kind of simultaneous to that so that we could still provide job training to our community and still have our community receive our message. And um, so that has been a wonderful outcome because of that. And the other wonderful outcome is with the staff that is still here and working through all of the challenges of COVID, we've become a very, very close community uh, of our staffing. So those are wonderful outcomes from COVID. I, I like that your program that, of course, is based on change also had to change and adapt and continues mm -hmm. to evolve in the way that you're serving the community. It, it seems appropriate, right? Right, <laughs> right. right. Um, so I, I'm really curious, and, and I want you to be able to share with our listeners, obviously, you have a very diverse background in both profits and nonprofits and different environments. And I'm really interested to hear what drew you to St. John's personally? What made this opportunity and, and this community appealing to you? <clears throat> you know, as I look back, I think this is the job I was always meant to do. And I didn't know that, right? I didn't know that as I navigated through my career through the years. Um, but what really made a difference was when I, I had heard about St. John's and I had, we had tried to form partnerships in other ways and, and another position I was in in the community. And I always reflected on the work that was being done and the humbleness in how it was being done. And, um, and so that stuck with me. When the opportunity came, I, I took a tour of St. John's again and I um, I was reminded of why I went into nonprofit work, and that was to work with children and to change the lives of children. So I took a tour of the um, the children's um, 
Children's Child Care Center while I was here and learned about that. And I thought, what is the impact this is having on children and how can we change lives as early as possible? Um, in, in my volunteer work that I do, I am a board trustee for, um, for the Board of Education in Roseville. And so my efforts and my personal efforts have been around supporting children any way I can. And, and so that was, you know, that was kind of the tipping point. I saw the kids here and I said, you know, generational change starts with the kids and I want to be part of that. And that's, that's what drew me to the organization uh, originally and working towards forming a partnership. And that's what reminded me of why I needed to be here. Well, and, and as you said, too, you never know who you inspire. So having that opportunity with such young children that range in age to be able to inspire and change their lives that early, that's that's incredible to be able to do that. Yeah. So as, of course, we're, we're in the holiday season right now, but we know all year round that St. John's needs our help and our support. So wondering how our listeners might be able to participate with St. John's. How can we get, make a difference? How can we give back? How can we support? What's the, what are some of the best ways to get involved or support your organization? Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of opportunity. You know, as I mentioned, um, supporting us through Red Door Desserts and, and purchasing cookies as a gift or as for your own subscription helps our vocational program and also helps spread the message about St. John's if you give those to people because we do include in every dozen cookies, um, we include our story. And as a matter of fact, one of our newer employees had told me she was at um, she was at an event and she saw the card that was inserted in the box and she said, this is an organization I need to work for. And, uh, and so where she was living at the time is quite far from here. So she moved to the Sacramento region and uh, she applied for a job and she's here. But anyway, that um, is one way. But there's also ways through, um, you know, donating, um, of course, time and signing up as a volunteer. There's also donating as a personal gift, making a donation um, online or as a, you know, as a gift to us. And then also um, any ways that, you know, people can provide um, essential needs or essential resources that would be in, in donating um, gently used um, clothing or, or things that we may need here at St. John's for the women to be successful while they're here and successful when they exit St. John's or go out on their job. So that is in donating, you know, clothing and, and such. So there's a lot of different ways. Um, I could probably talk all day about all the different ways, but those are, I think those are the highlights. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Is there a particular experience? I know you've been with the organization just since April of 20, but is there a particular experience that you've had in your time with St. John's that really resonates with you that you can share with our listeners? Yes. Um, there's, well, there's several, but I will tell you the common theme and, and one recent experience is that I had um, a woman who, who is here and um, she came up to me and she thanked me. And I said, well, what, you know, she came and she was, I just want to make an appointment with you. I said, well, you don't have to make an appointment. Come on in. And she goes, I, I just want to thank you. And I said, well, you know, you're welcome. And she says, you know, something about whatever it is you do, we all know that you care. And, um, 
for someone to witness that and then tell me about it, I'm getting a little choked up, <laughs> for someone to witness that and then tell me that, um, you know, that's life changing. Yeah, that that's so, it makes such a connection and it really proves that, of course, the work that you all are doing makes a difference, but it is always it's nice to hear that personalized, that, that the person appreciates it, that, yeah, you almost got, you got me there too, listening to you share that story. Thank you for, for sharing that. You are in what you're doing. And of course, what your organization is doing, you, you do create such an inspiration, especially as you said, with never knowing who you're going to inspire. So given that you inspire people of all ages, who inspires you, who has inspired you to do what you do and to lead your life in, in service? <clears throat> you know, it started with the birth of my first child, my daughter. And I would have never known how important um, and how much of a theme children would have in my life. Uh, but that theme has come again and again in every every job that I've done, every volunteer activity that I've done is that I've always not navigated towards supporting what's best for kids. And, um, you know, and I can do it with a lot of heart because I think of my own children when I'm doing it. And so, um, it's, it's, it's been an, it's been a, a North star for me in thinking about children and thinking about how much support they need and, um, you know, just going through that as a mother. And <clears throat> I, I always think to myself, you know, sometime in the future when I'm no longer around that I hope, I hope so much that my kids will say she was a really good mom. So that's my inspiration with my kids. I, I completely can relate to that because as, as a fellow mom, that's that's all all you want is to to have them reflect that we did our best and we we did a good job. So very relatable, yeah, yeah. and I'm sure it is for the the mothers that you serve too that they want some, to be someone that their kids can be proud of and look up to, not only providing what the children need, but to be that inspiration for their children as they grow up. Absolutely, absolutely. That's one of the main reasons women come to St. John's is they say, "I want to do better for my children." Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> trying to catch my breath here, but this has been a really important conversation, and I'm glad that our audience has been able to to learn more about your organization, especially coming from a real estate perspective, to be able to talk about serving the homeless community and helping to find housing and take care of those that don't have it is is really important and very near and dear to all of our hearts, of course. As we come to the end here, do you have any final thoughts or comments to leave with our listeners? I would also love to know where they can sign up to either donate or get involved and how you get those cookies, because I, I am going to be <laughs> signing up later today. <laughs> sure, sure. So I think, um, you know, a final comment I have is that um, we all have unlimited love and kindness to give. And it's free, right? And so I ask of everyone to look inside and find their way to give love and kindness, whether it's to each other, to an organization, um, to a neighbor, to family. And um, because it's there and you can always give it and you always have more to give. So that's, 
that's a final thought that I'd love to leave with the listeners and, and just ask of them, you know, during this time of year and any time of year to, to please remember they always have that to give. Um, and in terms of how to give to St. John's, um, if you would like to, um, if you'd like to visit our website, it's stjohnsprogram.org. So you spell out the word St. John's program.org and we have uh, many ways to to give on there and then to order the cookies we are at sjp uh, reddoordesserts.com so sjp reddoordesserts.com and that is where the cookies are located of course you can get to that through our through our website as well well fantastic i i appreciate that and i know that some of our listeners are definitely going to participate and get involved where they can. This has been such a great time talking to you. I know that Gold Nation appreciates learning more about it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. And make sure that you follow the Juggernaut Podcast where you get your podcast. Give us a good rating, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us and listening to the Juggernaut Podcast. Our vision is truly to inspire our listeners to become an unstoppable force, not only in business, but also in life. To develop that juggernaut mindset that will embrace conflict, overcome adversity, and influence positive impact in the communities we live, work, and serve. It is time to awaken the juggernaut in us all. We look forward to bringing you another inspiring episode next month on the third Wednesday right here on the Juggernaut Podcast. Until then, take care and continue to be unstoppable.